My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a 50-year-old grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling and on social media I found so many women, inspiring and amazing women over 40 who were really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical barriers. I really wanted to share these stories with you, so let's celebrate and firmly place a spotlight on women over 40. My weekly reminder that you are not invisible and it's never too late to try something new. I'm excited to share that from this series onwards, Out of the Bubble will be teaming up with some of my favourite brands to be able to offer Out of the Bubble listeners some amazing discounts. So I'm starting off this month with Studio 10 Makeup. If you've never heard of this this brand, then it's founded by Grace Fodder after seeing a real lack in the market for makeup suitable for women over 35. It's 100% designed by women for women, real pro-aging makeup brand, which I absolutely love. It's become a staple part of my makeup bag. I don't know about you, but I find shopping for makeup, especially in department stores, can be really intimidating as we get older because our skin changes and we need different things and there's so much choice out there. I've had so many compliments after using Studio 10 makeup in the last couple of years about how flawless my makeup looks. And so Studio 10 offers a really easy to use range of products. I can't recommend them enough. So for Out of the Bubble listeners, for this month until the 7th of March, you will be able to receive a 20% discount on all products. Just use Out of the Bubble 20 code at checkout. And I have to declare that this is part of an affiliation. So I would gain a small amount of remuneration if any sales were made through this code. But if you'd like to know more about Grace Fodder, you'll be able to catch up and listen to episode 40, where we get to find out more about the brand and why Grace really saw there was a need for it and what the the brand's all about. So if you'd like to know more about that, please go check out episode 40. But don't forget, it's on till now, until the 7th of March. And if you're looking to update your makeup, um, I would definitely recommend Studio 10 is a great place to start. Out of the bubble 20, use discount code. Right, let's get started with today's guest. Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble. My name is Rachel Peru. I hope you've all had a great week. So this week's guest knows all about hard work, determination, motivation, and really working towards an end goal. I'll be talking to Michelle Amanda Robinson, former Olympian. She represented the triple jump in 1996 Olympics. She's also represented Great Britain over 15 years as an elite athlete. And I'm looking forward to finding out what came next after retirement and how she's found her passion to helping other people fulfill their real full potential. So thank you so much, Michelle, for joining me. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Rachel. This has been in my diary and I've been really excited to come on and speak to your listeners. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I feel honoured. You have got, you've had such a journey through all your different careers um, and there's so much to talk about and your name comes up in so many different areas of conversation that I've had with people recently. But I guess we need to start at the beginning. So how would you describe yourself to people that don't know you? Um, right, today I'd describe myself as a, a, a tired mummy um, juggling all the balls who's got two children in isolation um, but still smiling, still working through it. Um, but naturally and normally, I should say, under normal circumstances, I, you know, I'm proud to say I'm an Olympian. I'm a mother of three children. I'm a life coach, a mentor, a proud ambassador for Diabetes UK and a newly a new ambassador for um, the menopause charity. So that's how I describe myself. So we have lots to cover here. So Absolutely. let's go back to the beginning. Did you know from a very early age that you had this drive inside you that you knew you had something special with your sport and, and the triple jump? 
I'm a, I'm from a one of four, you know, I'm, I'm from a family of, of four children, you know, I'm the youngest girl, three older brothers and uh, anybody out there that's got brothers and, and being the youngest, you know that if you want to keep up with them, you're going to have to be quite sporty or physically active and resilient, I think is a word I'd like to use as well. I had to be really resilient, you know, to ha hang out with my brothers. So I was always very fast. I was always, you know, quite with it and, you know, and everything else. And my brother used to call me a little grass because they say to my dad, oh, they're troubling me again, dad. And he said, right, you're not coming out and playing knockdown ginger with me. I was like, all right, all right, I won't say anything. I won't say anything. So I was, I was quite robust as a child, as, as a girl, you know, I was, I was none of this um, mamby-pamby stuff. I was like getting stuck in from a very young age. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, I recognised that I was the fastest in my school on sports days. I'd beat all the boys. But it, actually, I guess the journey started when my mother went down to her fitness class. And I don't know if you remember the song Rocky Boat Baby, which is so incredible. Yeah, yes. Everybody on the floor. <laughs> Everybody on the floor. And I was like standing there thinking, oh my God, look at these women. They're so old. And my mum was about 40. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking they're so old. Goes to show you, right? And from there, and then I, I joined the running track and Mrs. Mack was the lady there. And she said to me, right, there's a, here's a pound. And it, I said to my mum, mum, I need a pound. My mum still says today, Rachel, that's the best pound she's ever invested in me. Yeah. And that's yeah. when my journey started on a cinder track in Wembley. And was school really supportive of, in a sporting arena? Were they really supportive of you? Yeah, I, I think I have to, I have to um, you know, definitely mention my two PE teachers, Mr. Bauman and, and Mr. Rigby, and actually Ms., um, um, Sandy Richards as well. She was very good as well in terms of, you know, they recognised that I was very sporty. Um, they, they also, I guess it became more apparent as I was doing my A-levels when I had to juggle the two as well, mm. you know, that they would try and give me time off, you know, I guess the school hadn't had um, an Olympian of that, of that in track and field for a while, you know, so, so they were supportive of me and they recognised, you know, that I could go places. And I think it was 15 when I first went to my first Youth Olympic Games at 15 years old. I mean, that's just amazing. Was it quite a lonely time though? Because I can imagine that, that it, you have to, put so much time and effort and dedication into it but it is you know the triple jump is it's you it's you doing it it's not I mean I know you're a team when you're representing the country but it's just you out there yeah uh, and I think you're, the, the word they're lonely is is definitely it definitely rings true I think for up for, for me and you know when you think about all these athletes that are getting ready for the Olympics next year there's times where you know Christmas day you are on that track on your own boxing day it's just you you look around this, the, the tartan track and you see the floodlights and it's just you on there on your own and you're just doing the session that your coach has set you. So it is very um, isolating, you know, um, at the best of times. But I guess it's knowing your why, knowing why you're here, why you're doing what you do. And I think that constant, you know, reinforcement of what are your goals, you know, keeps you going and keeps you on track, excuse the pun. To, to achieving those goals. You know, you know that in six, seven months time, you're going to be on, you're hoping to be on the plane, going to the world championships, the Olympic games, the European championships, you know, so Commonwealth games. So all of these things keep you going. And I was fortunate enough that over my, my, my career, you know, my span of my career over 15 years, I was able to go to, you know, three world championships and make three world championship finals, Olympic games, four Commonwealth games. So, and, that, and that was because there were some isolating lonely times on the track. And who, who was the team around you then that had, because there must have been moments where you just thought, actually, I really don't want to do this. It's really just hard. It's too hard for me. I've, I've had enough. Who, who was your kind of circle of people that would say, come on, Michelle, you've got this. You can do it. 
My mum, my mum was very, very supportive of me. My dad kind of really wanted me to continue my academic work so much. And, and for some reason, my dad had me down to be a pharmacist. I don't know where he bloody really got that from. <laughs> I don't know, that was in his own, that was him again, trying to live his life um, vicariously through me, maybe. Um, but for my mum, my mum was my support. And she said, Michelle, you'll be back in the strongest Jamaican accent. You'll be back in a couple of hours. Go and train and come back. You know, and I'd be like, okay, mommy, I'll go and train and I'll come back. So it's my mum. It was my coach, you know, my coach would be like, you know, keep you accountable as well. Um, and I guess a great circle of friends, you know, it's a great circle of friends as well that would also be um, doing similar things. So I guess you never felt alone and on your own. Mm -hmm. And I, I even say that now, Rachel, you know, when you put it back to everyday life, and I call this everyday life that we're in now, surround yourself with the same people that have the same vision and goals and values as yourself. Yeah, that's so important. It's something that I'm learning now because as you grow, and if you do go in a different, slightly different direction, you've got to be prepared for your circle to slightly shift with that as well. And I think that's Amen. something that people struggle with. There's always Rachel, a guilt. There's a guilt attached to it, isn't there? That you feel like you're listen, moving. babe. You've got that in one, Rach. You've got to be able to know that your circle does shift, mm. and it doesn't mean that you're forgetting those people you travel the journey on. But it just means that sometimes you're 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 going you're a bit more tunnel vision into your next journey, and sometimes you have to drop people off. You have to you know declutter, and that's not neg that's not negative, which is sometimes people think that. Me and Matthew looked at our wedding pictures in September. It was our it was our 15 year anniversary, and we said, would we still have those same same people at our wedding? today in 2020 yeah the answer is no we wouldn't mm. lives have changed yeah yeah it's really interesting and i've always wondered how it feels like when you have worked and strived towards something for so long and then you actually reach that goal so how did it really feel like when you got to the olympics was it as amazing as you thought it was going to be and more oh, and good. more it was 90,000 people plus in the olympic stadium every different flag, every different nationality, the place buzzing, music playing. It was in Atlanta, so it was in America, and who always want to put on a big show-stopping performance. Mm. Um, and I remember walking in there with my GB tracksuit on with a backpack on my back, walking out, and they mention your name as you're walking in there, they say, and now representing Grand Britannia, Michelle Griffith. And you walk in there and you're like, OMG, this is electric. And it's quite overwhelming and you, you think, oh my God, the spotlight's on you. Um, and actually, yeah, it was that and then some. And, and I don't think, you know, of course I've, um, that whole, I wouldn't even call it a whole, I don't miss, I don't miss the training because that was bloody hard work. Mm. The truth, six days a week on the track in all different weather types is, is, is hard work. But that, I don't think I'll ever get that, that element of euphoria that you had and walking onto the, 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 the track at the Olympic Games. How hard were you during that time? If you if if things weren't going how you wanted it to go on a particular day, how hard were you were you on yourself? Hard, mate. You know, it's you know you you put you've got to think to yourself when people talk about the Olympic Games, you know, and and I think it's really apt to, to mention this in this conversation. When you talk about the Olympic Games that was cancelled this year, it's not just people just started training last year for it. Yeah, it's four years. In fact, sometimes it's eight years before that. Mm. that you have a vision you have a goal my daughter's 13 14 just turned last week and she has a vision to go to the olympic games in eight years time mm. yeah so that's her planning now yeah. yeah mommy i want by the time i'm 21 i want to be at the olympic games yeah so your plan it's years of planning years of preparation so you know it's not just something you just wake up and say yeah i'm going to the olympic games of course there are some people anomalies that can do that 
but generally it's years of hard work. So how did it feel then when you realised you'd come to a point when you had to retire from that where you've spent, you've dedicated you that massive chunk of life to something to then let that go and move on to something else? How easy or difficult was that? For me, I've got to be honest, Rachel, it was very easy for me because I started, I lost my funding from UK Athletics in 1999. So when I lost my funding there, it was like, what's next for me? So I knew I obviously had a, a massive background in fitness. I've been doing fitness since 1980, whatever. Mm-hmm. So me and my best friend Caroline said, right, why don't we go and join, do a personal training course? And that was 21 years ago, mm-hmm. 21 years ago coming up. Um, and luckily for me, and everything's got a silver lining. Luckily, because I had been forced to make a bit of money because of my funding had stopped. So I had to try and make something that worked around my training. I got my personal training qualifications, had an amazing career, even had the, you know, the luxury of training Mel B from the Spice Girls, who is the sweetest girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had her two and a half years. So I was in magazines, I was in publications, I was training Gail Porter. So I had loads of businessmen around. I was making an impact on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, actually, the transition seven years later when I retired in 2006, and I talk about my retirement in 2006, and it actually puts a lump in my throat because it was the first time that my mum was able to travel abroad to watch me compete. Oh. And my mum, my stepdad, my husband and my daughter were in the arena in Australia, in Melbourne, watching me compete for the very last time. Oh, wow. So that was the time that I made the decision because the, the, the decision came from me. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing we have to understand as human beings is when you're in control of your decision-making, it makes life easier. Although not, not necessarily smooth, but it makes it slightly easier than that being taken away because of injury. Yeah. And I got very injured the year before. In 2005, I snapped my Achilles tendon and I was going to retire then. And God bless my husband. He said to me, don't retire on that note because you will never forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I didn't perform to my optimum performance at the Commonwealth Games, but I was there. I, I represented the best of Michelle I could on that day, and I did it in front of my mummy, who's my queen. Yeah. You seem to have such an ease of acceptance of yourself. Have you always had that within you, or is this something that's developed in time and with age? I'm not going to sit here and say, um, it, no, I struggled. I, you know, I went through some volatile times in my life, as in my childhood, and and relationships that made me doubt have a lot of self-confidence doubt even though I you know I was a beautiful girl who who had sponsorship from Nike sponsorship from Weetabix I you know I had all of that Mm. but I would say now I'm so much more content and accepting of who I am Mm. now more so than ever in my life I feel you know I put up a post yesterday and just said I'm so much more confident in my body now and you know and it goes to show you when you look back on pictures of your 20s and 30s and you look at those pictures and you think, oh my God, I was banging. Look at my abs. Look at the shape I was in. Oh my gosh. But that lack of confidence was still there. Mm. Whereas now, saggy boobs and all, I'm accepting who I am. Yeah. Embracing I who I am. So many women will be able to relate to that. And I know I wasted so much time in my 20s and 30s struggling with my own body confidence. Didn't like myself at all. And I look back at the photos and I think, what were you thinking? You were gorgeous. But now, yeah, yeah, now I feel so much more comfortable in my own skin and happy with myself. And when I see pictures of you, Rachel, it inspires me. I think, yes, we need more women saying, you know, 
is it I am Sakira Khan, the the, the other lady um, lady that does that shows a lot of stuff, body yes. confidence stuff. Yeah, I'm like, we need to see more women, mm. and I'm going to say this, Rachel, women of color. Yeah, embracing their bodies too, because there's a lot of judgment there again. How can mm. she be doing that? There's a lot of judgment. Yeah, yeah. So we need to see more of that in a tasteful way. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you need to see more of that, and just say, and and for women to turn and say, I wouldn't necessarily do that, but good on you, babe maximum respect for showing us for doing that yeah. for opening up the talk open up the conversation around that yeah i think it's so important that women support each other because and i think oh. it's getting better but even now i see women on platforms that have maybe stuck their head above the parapet and, and then have got slammed down for doing something that, that was out of the the ordinary and then you see them shrinking back down again and i think it's just so sad because we need more women to speak up and share their experiences of all walks of life of all walks of life, all sizes, all genders, stand up and speak and share your truth because you'll be surprised. And that's probably my biggest journey, you know, for me, my biggest learning that I want to empower other women. I want other black women to look at me and say, bloody hell, Mish, thank you. I want other white women, other lesbian women, other transgender women to turn around and say, do you know what? I learned something from that lady today. Yeah. Good honor. Yeah. Let's embrace each other. Let's start to lift each other up rather than put each other down. Yeah. Because you know what? Sometimes we're projecting those that negativity that's from ourselves onto others because we're unhappy with who we are. Yeah, that's so true. So at what point did you decide then that you that you'd move along from personal training to incorporate life coaching as well? Um, I think it was, you know, in 2009 I started I started mentoring. Um and I was just moving back from the Middle East with my husband and my daughters and and somebody had rang me up, my best friend Marcy had rang me up and said to Michelle, I think you'd be great as a mentor. You're so good with people. Um, and I could nef- definitely not be in an island on my own, Rachel. I love people too much. You know, I just love people. Bloody this COVID things just stops me from hugging and kissing. Yeah. Me, you know, and um, I've always liked helping people. And I think it was just a general transition of, you know what, if I'm going to do mentoring, let me exhaust some coaching. So I started coaching and, and more and more of it, coaching qualification with the coaching academy. And it's just developed from there really. And, you know, I do coaching in education and I do coaching um, with people, high performance as well. When I say high performance, not sport, it's just high performance on the individual. So I have women coming to me, women and men, but, you know, mainly women. I have a lot of women clients coming to me about their careers, um, career changes, life, health and wellness. So I, I pride myself on being really clued up on health and wellness coaching. But the biggest thing is confidence, confidence. You know, I have women that come to me and I work with them. I don't see when I'm coaching. I don't give them the answers. They've got the answers. I just question them so that they can draw out the answers and extract the answers out of themselves. Whereas if I'm mentoring, then I share some of my own experiences. So there is a big difference. And then when you talk about psychotherapy, I have people that come to me and want me to be a therapist. I say, I'm not trained in that. So, you know, the transition has been fantastic for me. I feel very blessed that I can make an impact on people's lives. Um, But actually, Rachel, the truth be known, I absolutely love it too. Mm. yeah no you can tell you, you can tell it absolutely kind of oozes out of you that you love what you're doing right now and what's interesting is you you do a lot of work with 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 youth and, and around the, the younger generation as well don't you mentoring do you think having such a secure support network when you were younger has made you really want to reach out to those perhaps children that you could see something in them but they don't have that same network there to push them along and they need that extra support um, I, I'm, I'm going to almost counteract that slightly. You know, I came from a quite a volatile background growing up, um, you know, which I, I won't necessarily share on this platform. But mm. So I guess from that, I, 
I kind of thought, although I had very supportive parents, my mum and dad were exceptionally supportive of me. You know, things that you witness as, you, as, as a child and you think, mm, I wouldn't want my children to go through that, mm. you know. So I, I guess from that point of view of, you know, I've always thought of giving back. My mum was a, a midwife. My mum was a, a ward sister. She then went on to be a social worker. So I have that caring nature innately, you know, genetically in my, in my system through my mum. You know, my mum would be the one that would come in from a long 12-hour shift and gone to change the, the lady across the road's dressing, you know, as a district nurse. And she, it wasn't even on her patch. So it's that innate of giving back, always giving back. And my mum, I guess, has always said to me, and I said it in my recent Hello magazine, about being kind. My mum said, if you have nothing, that ne nothing positive to say, keep your mouth quiet. That was number one. The other thing she would say is, always look out and be kind to people because you never know when the wheels may turn. So that always giving back and caring. And, and I'm challenging to my young people. You know, I've worked for the Dame Kelly Homes Trust, which is yeah. incidentally Dame Kelly Homes that I grew up with from age 15. It's her charity. And I'm challenging to these young people. You know, sometimes I have them in tears because the questions I ask them is, do you really want it or do you like the idea of it? Oh, I want a job. I want a job. Okay, so what are you going to do to get that job? Mm -hmm. Do you think sitting in your house, watch gaming all night, is conducive to you going to find a job. So I'm, I'm very, you know, harsh on them. You know, I, I'm loving, I'm protecting, protecting them and looking out for them. But I'm also saying to them, this is your journey. Mm. Yeah. And the one thing that athletics has taught me and being an elite performer, it doesn't come easy. And those, those things that you really want up there and that, are, that you feel are far, far, far out of reach. They're only going to be far out of reach if you stay in your bed and put, the, you, you, you put your head under the covers and don't get up. I said, that small step of putting your foot on the floor, brushing your teeth, having a shower, and making a step out the door is one step closer to your dream. Yeah. And that's that you can use that, that, that whole analogy, Rachel, in anything. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I talk to lots of women over 40 that want to, to try something new and make, and they just don't know where to start. And it's always about taking that first small step. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is or how small it is. It's about taking that first step and then you can build on that, isn't it? So it's, it doesn't matter what age you are. No, it doesn't matter what age. It's taking that first small step and then finding a network of people around you that almost want to support you on your quest. So it's then going to seek that out. So I know that next year, and I'll put this out there to the listeners again, I want to write a book. And it's been bothering me. It's been bubbling away. And I'm now, I've even got my title. So I'm now looking for a, public, a publicist to help me to get my book out there for my 50th birthday. That's yes, what I want. So that's my goal for my 50th. I want to have a book out there. Mm -hmm. I want to have a little pocket book that women can carry around them in their handbags or in their pocket. I want no, not a big one, just a small one. Yeah. So I'm saying, what am I doing about it? So last year, from, from last year, 2018, 2019, 2019, I started, started writing bits down about it. But now it's to, now for me to try and start looking outside, thinking who can help me, who can, where can I get this from? Yeah. But I'm not going to get it by just doing it on my own. I need support. Yeah. And that's the thing that I move to everybody. We all need support in some areas. Try and get outside to find it. And, and it's down to women to give that support as well to others. Be kind, guys. Mm. Reach out. Look out for others. Share your ideas. Don't feel that someone's going to steal your ideas from you. There's only one of you. Yeah. And has your circle, has your circle of support always been the same? Or has that, because you are changing in a different direction slightly, has it kind of shifted as you've grown? Shifted. 
Mm. It's shifted as I have grown, which you, I'm sure, Rachel, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate what I'm saying. Yeah, it's you a know? difficult one. I think women find it difficult because there's almost like guilt attached to moving Absolutely. from different friends. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you know, you, 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 your, um, your network is always going to grow. Because, I, I mean, I want my network to grow. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to have my best friends and take on new best friends. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. But also as well, sometimes you have to declutter. So you almost have to get yourself in the car. Think you're in a, you think of yourself in a car and you're just throwing stuff out in a skip. Mm. Decluttering. Because actually they don't hold any purpose to you where you are in your life right now. Mm. And that's not about being ungrateful and just getting rid of people. But if anything's going to be a drain on your energy, why are you holding on to that? Yeah. Why are you holding on? To, and that's the question you have to ask yourself. And I often say to people, protect your energy at all costs. And because you've got to look after your physical health. Everyone says, oh, Michelle, you're a personal trainer. Da, 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 da. So you know all about that. Yes, I do. I also know I need to protect my mental health. And sometimes having people that drain your system, your energy system, you have to get rid of. And that's harsh. And there is that guilt attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the, men the mental well-being is so important when, you when you're going through such changes. But you've had, to add to that mix, you've also had the, the shocking news of becoming pre-diabetic, which I really kind of was so surprised. I can't imagine how you felt when you, when you got the results back from that. Well, I've got, got to be honest, Rachel, I don't want to swear on your show because <laughs> they, might, they might unfollow me or whatever. <laughs> but, um, I was bloody surprised. And that's, you putting it really mildly. You know, I remember walking in there and it was about 2018 and I share my stories, Rachel, and I share them, you know, to, to make, to almost highlight other people to, to watch out for their symptoms as well. And that's the biggest thing that we, we're out here to do, to empower others. That's, that's really what the crux of it is. Yeah. And 2018, I was weeing a lot and um, it was like three, four times a night, you know, every minute my husband's like, me, up again. I said, no, I can't stop weeing. By for, I never thought it was anything to do with diabetes at all. And then um, uh, they did some checks. My, I was referred to, to get a bladder cancer check, just to check everything else down there, gynae-wise, everything else. And they said, let's just do a full blood count on you. And that came back, Rachel, saying that I was at risk of being diabetic. So I was, in the, I was now pre-diabetic. I was blown away. Yeah. But when you, sat, when, you sat, when you sit and look at all the, the statistics around it, the statistics are, Rachel, I'm a black woman. Genetically, it's, it's right through my family. My mother has diabetes. My grandmother died from complications, renal failure. Um, I'm over 45. So all these things were stacking up against me. Mm. So there's a history, genetics, being a black woman, and just that's just the frame. So I had to make some really, really strict, conscious changes and I'm, I'm an all or nothing girl. Do you know, I, I don't mess about. I guess that's how I became an Olympian. Yeah. Um, I made some changes it, and I lost a lot of weight through my changes from going on a low carb diet. Um, and I always say it and I say it to my life coaching clients. I say it to my personal training clients, one size doesn't fit all. And I'm now an ambassador for Diabetes UK. I don't advocate everybody to eat like me. I advocate them to find a way to make changes to their diet. And it's important to say their diet, not mine. Yeah, make changes to what's going to suit your lifestyle because, and your culture. Mm. So I still love, love my curry goat and rice and peas. So, but I'll have my curry goat, but I'll have two, two spoonfuls of rice and peas and the rest will be salad. So I've made subtle changes so that it can make an impact on my health. And I'm still a work in progress, yeah. like we all are. 
And how have you changed your exercise routine from training all those years as an elite athlete? How difficult is it to then kind of start relaxing and, and finding a new rhythm? Um, I would say it's changed significantly. I used to train six days a week, sometimes twice a day. It was grueling. It was hard work. Um, it paid off, but you know, it's not easy. And now I probably train three, four days a week um, where I'll do weight training and, and, and many people that, you know, should go and explore what, what's the importance of doing body weight, mm. especially going into osteoporosis, menopause, you know, where we lack in estrogen and progesterone and all those different factors. So weight training, keeping fit, keeping really strong. I always say strong, not skinny. It's one of my mantras, strong, not skinny. Yeah. So you want to be able to get up out of the chair without not using your hands. Yeah. So get up, sit back down, get up, sit back down, little things like that. I say do squats whilst you're brushing your teeth. Yeah. Two mm. minutes on the, on the clock and you're squatting up and down because all the time you're trying to keep the muscle that diminishes significantly over that time. So I'll do a weight training session one, once or twice a week. I'll run a 5k up the Devon Hills, which is hard work. I'll do skipping. I'll play. We, we've, we've got a new Instagram, the Fit Family Robinsons. Mm. I've got really active family. My husband's a former rugby player for Wales. My two daughters are really sporty. My little son, seven, he's really sporty. We do lots of things like rounders, play catch. We, we've gone bike rides. You know, I've really got into cycling over the last year since I've been here and I'm desperate for a new bike. So if anybody wants to give me a bike, I guess I am putting it out to the universe. Yes, I'm begging. Yes. <laughs> I want a bike. Yeah. And I think that's another thing as well. I think the one thing that I will mention, Rachel, I find that over the years, and especially I'm talking specifically to black families, there's very few black families that do sport together. Yeah, yeah. It's a conversation that my husband, my husband's parents from Trinidad, and we have this conversation all the time because we live in Yorkshire, and you hardly ever see any black people walking out in the dales. It's, yeah. See, Rachel, and, and this is the conversations that we have them start making more comfortable and questioning, and, and, and me going into a, a black community and saying, Tell me something, guys. What's, what's stopping you guys? Sunday, you'll all go to church, which is big in black, black families. You go to church. What's stopping you from going for a long Sunday walk afterwards? I appreciate that I'm in, in North Devon. You're up in Harrogate or in Yorkshire. Mm. Yeah, so I appreciate demographically we, we are blessed with different environments. Yeah. But that's what we need to push. We need to push because I think it starts from the, the mum, the mother, the father, the matriarch right down to make those changes so that we have active children mm. and that the impact of being so active has massive ramifications on our mental health. Yeah. The thing is though, Michelle, you make sport fun. You make it, you make it look, it look like you're having loads of fun when you do it with your family, when you're doing it. And I think, you know, I, I can look back at my 1970s experience of sports in schools and absolutely hated it. Really, it was quite a traumatic experience. And it's only, it's, you know, it's taken me kind of the last 10 years that I've started to experiment and, and try different sports. And I think quite a lot of women who should be benefiting from not only the physical, but the well, the mental wellbeing side of things, yeah. struggle to find their thing because they're too scared to try something new. I think you're, you're, very, you're, you're very right there, Rachel. You know, it's about experimenting and trying something new and, and it's about exploring, you know, and I think this, this, this year is, if, if any other year, it's been a year for us to start exploring what do we want out of life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what changes can we make to our, to our lifestyle, to our health, to our well-being? You know, could we start, you know, start open swimming, a Pilates class, a yoga class, you know, I don't think people are necessarily, oh, you have to go to gym, you have to go to gym. 
but what's going to start stimulating you? And I think it's about exploring different options. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there's so many people out there that started trekking, you know, cycling, which I mentioned earlier on, you know, women's football teams, women's rugby teams. It's about finding that tribe, that community. I know a, a very good friend of mine, she goes to a walking group every Sunday morning without fail, no matter, unless it's weather warnings, mm-hmm. they are out. They've been doing it for two and a half years. Yeah. 30 black women. Yeah that have made this conscious decision to start kicking each other up the asses and getting out. Mm. Yeah. And this is not against white or black women. It's just, just that we know, and I can tell you now as a black woman, there's very few women, black women out there that will be getting up to do activity on a regular basis. Mm. And that's the gap that we need to change that I want to change. Yeah. Yeah. That's the gap that I want to really get out there because then that will then defeat diabetes blood pressure, cholesterol. So it has a bigger impact. And that's why I want to use my voice as a platform to make these changes. Yeah. And you are doing already, you're doing an amazing job, Michelle. And, you know, we need more role models like that that then can, can have the knock-on effect to the next generation, don't we? That's, that's the Thank key you. thing, isn't it? So talking of goals, um, I can imagine your life's being very goal-driven. Um, yes. So do you still have lots of things that you'd like to achieve? Yeah, I think it's become more apparent over the last um, seven, eight months as well, Rachel. You know, I, I, I'm 50 next year. So um, one of my big things, I, I, I want to write a book. I, mm. I want to get a book out there. That's my biggest thing. A motivational book. I want to, you know, I want to empower, continue to empower women and girls. Yeah. You know, that's my biggest thing. So I think my goal is to get my book out um, and to even find a publicist to start with first and foremost. I'm way off, but that's still my goal and my dream. Yeah. Um, I think another thing I want to do is to, I think my next goal would be to start to get into third world countries to start mm. the education around menopause more. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're in England here, first world country that we, we have a lot, even though not a lot of women are clued up on it and there's still so much more to, to discuss, mm. but we have a lot more resources. I, I think that's one of my biggest things to, to get over to third world countries mm. to start, you know, educating women and let them be able to have this open, honest conversation about the changes in their bodies. Yeah. Um, and my personal goal for me would be um, to continue living life, mm. to continue living my life, continue being a role model to my two beautiful girls, you know, and my son, and um, keep growing me. Yeah. Keep growing me and connecting with the right people. You know, I want positive people, I want to make a positive impact on people's lives. I think that's my biggest goal for me, just keep growing me. Well, I think you will achieve all of those things, Michelle. I mean, I think the, the third world country is, is, is so important. I've, I've um, volunteered in Uganda at uh, North Beach and got to, got to work with some uh, women's groups there. And they are so up for learning and, and having the resources there. And it's so difficult for them to have these conversations in the culture that they have. So I think that's such a great idea. Absolutely. If, if, if you can, you know if you can pay it forward and, you know, I just finished the hello to kindness, which is still going on, you know, mm. a, a pod that I developed with, with um, my brand Kit Heath and hello magazine and it's called hello to kindness. And I often say pay it forward. And we've supported for every necklace that's sold. And this is not about selling the necklace, but for every necklace that's sold, we, we support the black curriculum, which is again, educating black kids, putting history um, in the curriculum, yeah. um, age concern heads together. So mental health charity, and, and Women's Refuge as well. And if, if we could just keep paying it forward, guys. Yeah, mm. everything you do, ask yourself why you're doing it. Um, is it a positive impact? Is it a negative impact? Do you have to say that? And I think just start to be a bit more conscious about why you do things as well. 
And yeah. I, I just want to pay it forward because you know what, Rach, I can sit here, um, you know, in North Devon with the greenery around me. Who knows what the future holds for my kids? And I want to know that somebody will be looking out for them. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Michelle. How can people find you? Um, I am at Michelle Griffith Robinson on Instagram. I'm at Robinson OLY on Twitter and Michelle Griffith Robinson on Facebook. And of course, www.michellegriffithrobinson.com. O-L-Y. I've got my O-L-Y after my name, which means Olympian. So Michelle yeah. Griffith Robinson, O-L-Y.co.uk. But do you know what, guys? I, I'd be happy for you to find me, but most importantly, make sure you find you. Yeah, that's a lovely way to end. And my last question that I ask all guests, because I think women are so bad at accepting compliments about themselves. So if yeah. you were to pay yourself a compliment, what would it be? I've got fabulous legs. Love it. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your time. It's been an absolute delight and I look forward to watching everything that you do in the, in the future. Thank you, Rachel, for having me. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did. I love making the connection with Michelle and what an interesting and inspiring lady she is with so many different tips of advice and life lessons that we can all learn from. You don't have to be an Olympian to be able to relate to all the stories and the tips and advice that Michelle has given us today. So one thing I really came away from talking to Michelle today was the need to be kind, to be kind to ourselves, to make sure that we give ourselves time to go and find ourselves, to be kind to one another. So let's all raise each other up and give each other a helping hand. And just to be kind and, and just remember um, what it feels like when somebody else is kind to you. So let's take that into a new week. I hope you all have a great one. I will be back next week. But in the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you found lots of inspiration and it's left you with some midlife food for thought. How would you compliment yourself? I'd love to hear from you so I can share some love for all you women over 40. Please get in touch. Email me, rachel at outofthebubblepodcast.com. You can also come and join the Facebook page at Step Out of the Bubble. I'll be back next Monday, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous.